0: to study the Word of God, I just want uh, <clears throat> to thank you all again for your consistency and for all that uh, you're doing. And uh, this evening we are going to open our a Bible, a Bible studies. Uh, I want to just give an opportunity. I know that we are beginning the year and uh, for us to move on with our teachings or anything. There are certain truths that we teach that if we don't go in depth to really explain, it may be incomplete. And today we're going to be talking about the Trinity. And the reason why we keep, may have thought about the Trinity over and over in the Bible studies is because the Trinity is one of the core doctrines of the Christian faith. As a matter of, if you don't believe in the Trinity, you can't be a Christian. And so to Come back to the question. When you read the Bible, like some people read the Bible, and they they may tend to criticize God and feel like God is a, is like, it's like God is bipolar, because today you see him happy, tomorrow he's very angry, tomorrow he wants to destroy, tomorrow he changes his mind. So this is the picture when we read God. This is how we understand God to be. But if you don't understand the Trinity, you can't really understand what is going on in this place. And so when Moses prays to God because we, we've learned that God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. And so how will it be that God wants to do something? Then a human being prays and then God changes his mind. If God is all-knowing, it's almost to say, did he not know that these people were going to do this? Did this action take him by surprise? Was he shocked when they committed that? That that crime or that sin. So this is going to bring us, like I said, into the teaching of today. We know the Trinity is God. You know, one of the things that I've helped many people to confuse the teaching of the Trinity is that we say uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that is wrong. Because then it's three gods. And that is why Muslims accuse Christians of worshipping three gods. They feel that we have a, a person like me, my wife, and my son, three different people. That is what they see God to be. So when we say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, those are three gods. But we understand that God is one. The Bible mm-hmm. says, "Yea, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. So he's one God, but he has three persons. There are three persons in one God. Not three gods in one person, or not three gods, or not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, the Bible is written with an intention to reveal who God is. And so in the case of Moses, like we see in the text, God is revealing himself to the people of Israel as a father. Just like sometimes as a dad, you want to do something to your children, and your dad, your children come and say, Dad, please, I'm, I'm really sorry for what I did. You know, I'm really sorry, it won't happen again. It's okay, this will be the last time, don't do it again. So God is revealing himself to us in this text as a father to tell us that he's compassionate, to tell us that he hears us when we pray, to tell us that no matter what we have done, no matter the consequences of anything we've done, if we come to him, we can always obtain mercy. Because if God wants to remain God and just be who he is spiritually, no man, no human being will ever understand God. So it is when God expresses Himself in these three personalities of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we get to glimpse, we get to have a glimpse and understanding in human, on, human, uh, with a human knowledge of who God is. Because when you read the Scripture, it's not like sometimes God is in heaven. You think that God has a twisted face in heaven and looking at, I'm going to kill this man. I mean, no, God is not like that. But the expressions that He demonstrate in the scriptures is to help us understand that he is a father he is a father so that is why the book of exodus genesis numbers Leviticus, is revealed this way so we can understand that he is still our father he's not just a god who lives in the sky and like some strange personality he is our father he hears us when we cry to him he will answer. I don't know if i answered answer your question before I continue. Um, yes, thank you. Okay, like I said, today we are going to be dealing with the Trinity. The Trinity. And thank you, firstly, for that question, because it was a great introduction to our teaching today. So for the next uh, 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about the Trinity. And just to let you know that our Bible study this year is going to be very deep. We've been teaching about fundamentals and a lot of things, but this year we're going deeper. you feel as if you're in Bible school. Because like I said, no Breed is not a church of followers. No Breed is a church of leaders. That is why I used to say, we lead where others follow. We lead where others follow. I want you to have the confidence where you can sit somewhere and begin to explain the Trinity to somebody. And that person asks like, you, are you a pastor, or you are, did you go to Bible school? I want you to get that confidence the knowledge that you have. And that is why I'm going to be very intentional about teaching some things that may be very deep. So this is not going to be surface-level kind of stuff. It's going to be very deep. So we're going to talk about the Trinity today. The Trinity remains a mystery that no matter how knowledgeable all the theologians are, they have not been able to come out with a clear-cut description of the Trinity. And it is so because if you can explain God, then you are God. Nobody can explain God because God cannot be understood by a human mind. God cannot be comprehended by a human mind. So that is why we can only say things to explain, to describe the Trinity, but we cannot say how the Trinity is possible. Like I said, we hear about the Father, we hear about the Son, we hear about the Holy Spirit. And so many people are thinking, when I go to heaven, am I going to see the Holy Spirit, I see Jesus, then I see the Father? Because if if it is so, then those are three people. And God is not three people. God is one who manifests himself in the Father, in the Son, and in the Spirit. Like somebody said, every Listen, every description, every analogy I'm going to give does not meet even 10% of explaining, of trying to describe the Trinity. It is just to help us in our human understanding to grasp the concept of the Trinity. So the first analogy I will give is like me. I have a body, I have a soul, and I have a spirit. My body will be likened to God. My my, my body will be likened to God, my soul, to listen to Jesus, and my spirit, to the Holy Spirit. But this analogy falls short of the description of the Trinity because my body cannot function without my soul. And my soul cannot function without my spirit. They all have to come together in order to form who I am. But God is not like that. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. Jesus is not the Father. They all function independently but yet they are one. That is what the Trinity remains a mystery. Another analogy would be uh, ice, water and steam or vapor. If you cover vapor in a pot, it goes back to water. If ice dissolves, it goes back to water. So the water will be likened to the Father, the ice to the sun, and this vapor or steam to the Holy Spirit. But notice, vapor is not ice. Ice is not water. But if they all dissolve, they go back to water. So it is God who manifests himself in three different persons. Like I said, all these are analogies just to help us understand uh, what the Trinity is. So we don't think about Trinity like three gods sitting in heaven and then making like talking to each other, like, hey, man, what do we do? I'm kind of confused. Can you give me an idea? Because that's, that's how we understand it in our minds. So all these descriptions just to help us understand what the Trinity is all, is all about. So let me go back and read some scriptures to you to prove the Trinity in the Bible, because you're going to run across people who are going to say, show me that Trinity you're talking about in the Bible. It doesn't exist. And like I say, Muslims accuse, Jesus, accuse Christians of worshipping three gods. They say we are a polytheistic religion, meaning we have multiple gods. The first uh, place we see Trinity, I'm going to read from the New Testament because in the Old Testament you see multiple accounts of God expressed in the Trinity as a triune God. The first I will mention in the Old Testament, if you go to Genesis, the Bible says, In the beginning, God said, Let us make man. How can you say to yourself, Let us? Let us. And if you look at the word Elohim, Elohim in the Hebrew reveals is is mentioned in plural. It's like it's almost like multiple people, multiple gods. When you say Elohim, it's multiple. So when God says, Let us It means it's not just he's talking to more than one person. And if God is talking to more than one person, definitely he's not talking to the angels. Who is he talking to? We see the concept of the Trinity again in place, God expressing himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we come to the New Testament, we see that when Jesus Christ was baptized in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, and being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. Watch this. And he saw the Spirit of God, number one, descending on him as a dove, and lightening on him. Now you see, this is Jesus in the water. This is Jesus in the water. The Spirit descending on him. Then he heard a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well-placed, Listen to him. So you see, three personalities here: God expressing Himself as a Father, speaking from heaven; Jesus, who is the Son, dead Him baptized and the Spirit descending upon Jesus Christ. So you see again the Trinity, all in display at one time. In in Matthew chapter twenty. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, it says, But if I, Jesus, cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. If I, Jesus, cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. You see again, Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father, who is represented in this text as God. Then, if you see in the, in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen, said, "Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." Notice, he didn't say baptizing them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So "In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." There again, you see the Trinity expressed. In Luke chapter 3, verse 22, again about the baptism of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, that is Jesus, in a bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. There again, the Trinity is displayed. In John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, in my name, Jesus Christ, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that which I said to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father, you see the Father displayed here, will send in my name, Jesus Christ, the Trinity. Again in that text. In John fifteen twenty six, 26, it says, but when the Helper comes, whom I, Jesus, will send to you from the Father that is the spirit of truth who proceeds out of the Father, he will testify of me. See, Jesus is talking about the spirit and the Father. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he says, gathering them together. Jesus commanded them to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father, to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You have heard of me. So Jesus Christ is referring again to the Father, telling them to wait for the promise, which is the the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 33, it says, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has poured forth this which you see and hear, the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus. Mentioned again in this text. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So you see here, God in this text is representative of the Father, anointing Jesus with the Spirit. So God anointing Jesus with the Spirit, the Trinity. Remember, in John chapter 10 verse 30, Jesus Christ said, I and my Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father because the disciples was like, show us the Father. You've you've been talking so much about your Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus said, you don't need to see the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. The Spirit of Christ, Holy Spirit. He talks about the Spirit of God. So you see, the Trinity is expressed in all these texts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, that you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. You were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. In 2 Corinthians 13:14, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There you see the Trinity. In Galatians 4, 6, it says, But you who are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, it says that The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You see, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, one, the Father of glory, two, and give you what? The spirit of wisdom, three, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, mentioned again in this text. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, it says, In whom Jesus, ye also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Jesus, the Father, represented as God and in the Spirit. In Titus chapter 2, verse 6, Titus chapter 3, verse 6, it says, Whom the Holy Spirit he poured on us richly. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, Who poured the Holy Spirit on us? The Father. He poured on who? Poured, who, who? Through Jesus Christ. So the Father pours out the Spirit through Jesus on us. The Trinity. And uh, one more to go. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, how much more would the blood of Christ through the eternal Spirit offer Him without blemish to God? cleans your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. The blood of Christ through eternal spirit without blemish to God. You see again the Trinity mentioned here. And lastly, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Christ and be sprinkled with blood May grace and peace be yours in its full measure. You see, the knowledge of the Father, obeying Jesus Christ, and the Spirit, and the, and the, and the work of the Spirit, we are being sanctified. So there are multiple scriptures that we can, we can go and go and go and keep going. But this is just to let us know that the Trinity is not just something that we make up, the Trinity is all over the New and Old Testament. But like I said in the beginning, the Trinity is important because if you don't understand the Trinity, you it's like if you deny the Trinity, it's like you, you can't be saved. Because God was in heaven, like I used to explain. There are seven dispensations in the scripture. And understanding the seven dispensations of the scripture, which I'm going to try to teach about again this year because I keep having a lot of questions about different scenarios in the Bible which has to do with dispensations. And without understanding the dispensation, you may not really understand uh, what the Bible is saying. For example, why is it that in the time of Abraham you could marry your sister? Because as you know, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was Abraham's first cousin. Just like Rebecca was the first cousin of Isaac. And Leah and Rachel were the first cousins of Jacob. So in the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people were allowed to marry their cousins, first cousins. So you could actually go to visit your aunt or your uncle and you see their daughter, your daughter or their son. Like, Hey, uncle, I like this boy. And you guys could actually get married. But then in the days of Moses, it is prohibited. Why? Because they are different dispensations. And the dispensation is simply God's strategy to reconcile man back to himself. When man was created, man lived in the dispensation of innocence. Man did not know what was sin. So everything man did was good. There was nothing to define man as sin. But when man was deceived and ate the fruit that God told him not to eat, his eyes were opened. He now knew the difference between good and evil. It ushered man into the next dispensation called the dispensation of conscience. So God gave man a conscience, and the conscience was a guide to limit man from committing evil. With a strategy that when man realizes that he is sinful, he he will return back to God. That is why when Cain killed Abel, without anybody preaching to Cain, Cain knew that he had done something wrong. And Cain began to wander on the surface of the earth because he was guilty. And when the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Because his conscience was troubling Cain. From the dispensation of conscience, man, God saw that even man's conscience was not enough to guide man to the path back to him. So God ushered man into the third dispensation, which is called the dispensation of human government. This is when God said to Noah, you know, the inclination of man's heart is only evil. So I'm going to let you govern yourself. So man made laws for himself, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Even when they had this jungle justice or jungle system, I will call, jungle justice system in place, if you kill somebody, they kill you. People did not see stop the evil. In fact, immorality, abominations multiplied even the more. And so it ushered man into a fourth dispensation when God, call, when God goes to the land of the Chaldeans in all and called a man called Abraham, I said, Abraham, from the days of Adam to Noah and until you, I have tried to bring man back to myself, and it seems man will not come back to me. I am going to use you, and through you, I will build a nation for myself, a people that will fear me. And in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply if you follow me. So this took man to the dispensation of the promise. But guess what? Even with all the promises that God gave Abraham, that he will pass down to Isaac, and he will pass down to Jacob, and to the twelve tribes of Israel, he did not see prevent man from sinning. Not even the promise. Just like our parents would say, be a good boy. When I come back from wherever I'm going, I'll give you a reward. Even those promises did not keep man from sinning. Then he ushered man into the next dispensation, which is a feat called the dispensation of the law. When God says, okay, since they made laws on themselves, since their conscience could not keep them, they made laws for themselves, he did not keep them. I promised them something. They could not stop sinning. Now I'm going to give them a law. That they will follow. This is where God comes out with the Ten Commandments that Moses wrote on the mountain after being with God for 40 days, 40 nights. Moses comes down from the mountain and finds the people in the height of their sin, idolatry. He breaks the stone tablets, which is a prophetic act to show that even that law that Moses brought was not going to be kept. God brings out the people from, bring bring them out from Egypt into the promised land, they, their sins multiplied. Even with the wonders that they saw him demonstrate before Pharaoh. Even with the, with the, with the miracle of walking on dry ground in the Red Sea, he continued to multiply their evil. And this is why, like my wife was saying, that when Moses came down from the mountain and saw all this that happened, the he, Bible says he, re, he, 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 he grieved God that he had created man. And God wanted to wipe them out from the surface of the earth. But in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, to redeem us from the curse of the law. So the birth of Jesus Christ and his death ushers us into the dispensation of grace. Where God says now, I'm not going to let them live by the law. I am going to put my spirits in them And my spirit will give them the ability to do what is right. So we are now in the dispensation of the law, which is the sixth dispensation. And the last dispensation is the dispensation of the millennium, where we get to spend 1,000 blissful years with Jesus Christ on the surface of the earth. So those are the seven dispensations. Now, if you don't understand the Trinity, that it was God who sent forth his son to die for us, and after his son died for us, he put our, his spirit in us so we can live and do what is right forever. Then you have denied salvation because salvation is embedded in the Trinity. If you can't understand the Trinity, if you don't believe in the Trinity, then you're, you're, you're gladly saying you don't believe in salvation because it was God himself who came down on the earth. After he saw that all his attempts like I explained to you through the seven dispensations could not bring man back to salvation or to himself, God decided to come in the flesh. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he said the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Who is the word? Jesus Christ. And after Jesus Christ accomplished that mission, he did not leave us alone. He gave us his spirit. So you see the father? sending his son, and his son dying on the cross, and after his death, he gives us the spirit so we can continue to live with him. So it is is important to understand the Trinity because our salvation, the whole Christian foundation, the whole Christian building, rests upon the foundation of the Trinity. If you deny the spirit, then eschatology is gone. If you deny the spirit, then Christology is gone. If you deny the Father, then theology itself does not exist because the whole theology we study in Bible schools is to study who is God. And so this evening, brothers and sisters, we are going to end it for now because of time, but I hope that this little explanation I brought this evening has given you some kind of understanding about the Trinity and even better. By God's grace, we're going to continue next week on some of these key elements or key fundamentals of our faith that will give you the foundation to be able to defend what you believe anywhere, anytime. I'm going to pray and give a chance just for one question, and we're going to go. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We ask the Lord to help us that this knowledge you receive, you will grant us the grace to put them to practice. Help us to assimilate and digest this knowledge that we may, we may be able to teach others. Take all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.